Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, welcoming all in radio land and podcast land and all the various lands that might be hearing us now. Uh, hello, Tom Dorian. How hello, are you? Deacon Jeff. I'm great. How are you? I'm fine and dandy, and uh, I think people can be more fine and dandy after they hear our show today. I hope so. That's our goal, always to goal. increase the fine and dandiness. I think that's important. Uh, and so, anyway, that's our goal, and that's what we're going to try to do today. We kind of want to roll today. So this is an interesting little tidbit. Yes. You know, people wonder sometimes... Where do the show topics come from? You think so? I think they do. I I, I do. As far as they're concerned, <laughs> what they do. I do. Um, well, interestingly, just so everyone knows, this is show number 401. Isn't that awesome? We have recorded 401 shows. Did you think you'd get there? No. I didn't either. No. And that's okay. And that just shows you the great bounty that the Lord provides. You're right. Right? I mean, there's just a lot of stuff going on there and, and uh, a lot to talk about. And still lots more to I never would have thought we'd have. I, mean, I thought we were just had to redo everything, right? Because there's only what like seven topics, seven sacraments. What's the deal, right? <laughs> That's right. A- anyway, so um, you know, and all this stuff, people have wondered, like, well, where do the topics come from? I, I don't choose the topics. the The content creator, exactly, right? Content director, right? That's the Holy Spirit. Yes, picks these topics, and yes. and it's so co- funny how this. So today we're talking about the tabernacle, and this has come kind of random. Well, you know, you say. You say random, but it's it's not just it's it, the Holy Spirit. Random at to you and me, but well, the Holy Spirit's I don't, not. You know, random. it's so funny. I was doing a, so a RCIA is starting to wrap up. I have a big RCIA program. Lots of folks coming into the church, and one of the things I like to do in that program is take them on a tour of the church. We walk through the church, and I point to everything and say, "This is this, and this is that." And one of the things that I help them understand is that everything has a purpose. Exactly, everything has meaning. It might be a great sign of something. We did a show on this. Right. We did a show, a tour of the church. So look that up, uh, and it's kind of a neat thing to think about. It is. But I, I'll tell you, um, it's just always important for people to realize that this stuff is its important. It has meaning, and, and we should be focusing on it and understand that there really is not a lot of randomness and like just purely decorative stuff in the church. Mm-hmm. I mean, there might be some, you know, what color are we going to make the pews or whatever, how, what stain. You know, and I understand there are some artistic things that are going on. But in terms of like the accoutrement, you know, the... There yes, you go. Yes. The, the, oh, the furnishings. Word right there. That's right. The furnishings of the church, what's in there, yeah. it matters. It does. And so I was doing uh, a tour of the church, mm-hmm. and I like to start the tour at the back. I like to start at the bit, baptismal font, right? right? And, so, right. and that's a classical construction. It used to be a baptistry. It was separate from the actual church building in the old days mm-hmm. because you had to make a journey, you know, singing the names of the saints, invoking the names of the saints, prayer, intercession of the saints as you're going to the church after you've been baptized. Beautiful stuff, right? So I start there, and then, but I end up up in the front, up in the sanctuary uh, where our tabernacle is, mm-hmm. right? And I was just sitting there thinking about the tabernacle, and there was one time I was just, just in the last day or so, I was actually sitting before the tabernacle, and I was just looking at it and thinking, like, all kinds of neat thoughts about the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking after about, I don't know, five minutes of neat thoughts about the tabernacle, I thought, you know, that'd be a good show. 
you know. Well, there you go. Thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know, the content director, content Perfect. creator, Perfect. has uh, helped us to see that somebody out there needs to hear about the tabernacle. Yeah. And now, I don't want this to be a strictly scientific, histological, anthropological no. thing and all that stuff. But we, uh, if we're going to talk about the tab- tabernacle, we, we probably need to go back a little bit. Okay. Like, what is a tabernacle? Where does that, that, that even come to us from, right? And, mm-hmm. and why is it... You know why is it of such primary importance in a church? Mm-hmm. Why do we why do we have that? Well, is it, if we go back and we look at the word itself, okay, right? It is an English rendition of a Hebrew word which is miskan. I'm probably mispronouncing that, and I'm sure there's some Orthodox Jews out there going like, "Oh, olive, you know, what did he just do there?" It's miskan, M-I-S-K-A-N. I don't know how to pronounce that, but I'm just going to guess it's miskan. Okay. It's a Hebrew word which literally means dwelling place. All right. So in the Hebrew scriptures, when it talks about the Lord's dwelling place, it's miskan. Mm-hmm. Um, and but that we render that tabernacle, and we have a. It comes from the the Latin uh, tabernaculum, which literally means tent. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and if you think about the Old Testament, there's references to the tent of meeting. Right. And this is where the Lord would be present mm-hmm. there. And the Lord specifically would be present and, and would dwell there. So with Moses and, and the people, you know, they had this, this, this tent of meeting, mm-hmm. right? And the Lord, Lord's presence would be there. And inside the tabernacle, so this is like a, a bigger thing. It's not like a little small thing. And so don't think about your tabernacle in your parish right now. Think about a, a really literally a tent, a big, a big room that's built or constructed. And inside that is where we have the Holy of Holies, mm-hmm. right? And that's a separate little dwelling there, highly restricted, very secure. Only the, the high priest goes in there, and very rarely, to offer the sacrifices and to, you know, that kind of stuff. But certainly in that Holy of Holies is where the Ark of the Covenant was. Right. Right? And the Ark of the Covenant, as we all know, where the, the glory of the Lord, his very presence, dwelt upon the Ark. Mm-hmm. Right, and so they would go in there to be with God, and so you can see that connection now. Why we would have a tabernacle in our um, in our churches, right? Right, because this this Jewish history—it's really our history. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that it still informs today, even the church's teaching and what happens in a church and how a church is laid out. And so th- that's why there's a tabernacle in every Catholic church. Sure, because. The glory of the Lord, his very presence. So Jesus in the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity, mm-hmm. is reserved, dwells in the tabernacle. There you go. Right? And so that's kind of neat to know, right? It's, it's, it's kind of a... Um, very neat. It, well, it's an important thing. And you could stop there. So, well, I, I know, but it's like, I know there are some people that also say things like, well, but, you know, does it matter if he's in this tabernacle? Uh, can he also just be? Can we keep him in the supply closet, you know, in the sacristy, or or maybe some more noble place, but uh, but not a tabernacle? Some of that goes to the Eucharist, you know, really believing in the true presence. Don't yes, you think? I do, and th- and I think that's and if you why you believe in the true presence. Then no, you're not going to put him in a janitor's closet, right? Well, it's you know, why the church is concerned about the vessels that we would use, right? And why they should be precious metals, right? Right, and not. Dixie cups. Exactly. Right? And so we, we, we have to think about that. And so I was going to go through some of the things that I was sitting there thinking. Right. They aren't necessarily be all connected, but I think they probably will be. But mm-hmm. because it is the Eucharist that mm-hmm. we are reserving, that, that, is, that is dwelling in this tabernacle, that's a reason why, we were just talking about, why it would be beautiful. Right. It would be ornate. 
right? It would be made of the finest materials. It would be, it would be sturdy. It would be stationary. It would be there, mm-hmm. right? And it would be noticeable. It would be uh, the church's documents talk about, you know, suitable for, for uh, worship. Like, we, we, we can see it, mm-hmm. right? And, and certainly, um, these precious metals inside and out, uh, gems, jewels, whatever, all, all, all this decoration is, is there because, not because God requires it or needs it, but because he deserves it, right? Because we want to give him our best. Right. And that's why we, that's why these tabernacles are very expensive. I don't know if you've looked at a church supply catalog, but they're pretty expensive. Oh, I'm sure. You know, uh, I, I think our tabernacle was like 75,000 bucks. Yeah. Now, that was a generous gift from uh, a wealthy donor who wanted to, to give glory to the Lord and to help in the renovation of the church. And they built, they bought this beautiful tabernacle. Not everybody has that. And they're a lot less expensive ones. But the point is, it's not like just wasted money. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of like the concept of dressing up when you go to mass, right. when you go to church. Right. You want to put on your Sunday best. Yeah. Right? We want to put our best before the Lord. Mm-hmm. And if he's going to be reserved in, in that tabernacle, mm-hmm. it's going to have to be nice. It's going to have to be the best. You know, so in our, our tabernacle, you know, gold on the outside and gold on the inside. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just kind of beautiful. And so I want to talk about the, 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 the gold. Okay. Like, typically, tabernacles will be gold. Yeah. And, and one of the things I was sitting there thinking about is, you know, it's really cool when they first installed our tabernacle and they first turned the lights on. Mm-hmm. The reflection. What happened? The reflection of the light off of there. It had these, these, these shards of, of light, reflective light, these beams, then went up onto... I don't think they pl- counted on that. Though. No, no, that was all... Well, so what's really interesting about it, and people need to Google this, is the artwork behind it already ref- had that type of reflection. Yeah, someone painted it in. And all of a sudden the light yeah, matched yeah. it. Yeah. Someone painted in these things Beautiful. like, well, it's as if the, the tabernacle's glowing and they turn the lights on. And, and it then did. like the, It did. Yeah. And there's like, so these, like, these beams reflected yeah, off of this beautiful. thing. Well, when you look at that, you you start to think about the burning bush. Yeah, right. There's right. A, that is an image that you see. So these golden, shiny tabernacles, the burning bush, and of course we know that in the Old Testament, when Moses went and saw God and He revealed Himself in this burning bush, God's presence was there. That's right. I mean, shielded in the terms in the, in the bush and the fire, because you know a, man, a human could not behold the presence, the very presence of God, right? Mm-hmm. But His presence was there, mm-hmm. and so. Jesus, his presence is there. Right. So r- really that, that uh, tabernacle is like the burning bush, and it, and it should remind us of God being present and coming to us in a way that we can access him. That's right. right? That we can be with him and how beautiful that is. Um, and, you know, one of the interesting things that, that Moses was told, mm-hmm. right, if you remember when he came, when he approached the burning bush, take your shoes, take off. Your shoes off, you're on holy ground. Right. And if you stop and think about how do we treat our tabernacle? It's in a sanctuary. It's in a special place. It's not meant to be. We, we tread lightly and right. respectfully right. and prayerfully. It's a sacred area, mm-hmm. and it should be. And that's why we we take care to do that, mm-hmm. right? And so we should be learning from that. And that's also why we show so much reverence and respect. We we bow. We, we genuflect right. when we go by the tabernacle. We genuflect when we go in and out of the pews. We're saying hello and goodbye to Jesus in the tabernacle. That's right. Right, and that's such a powerful thing. Now, um, another neat thing about that um, is this idea that the tabernacle. When you, what is the first thing, Tom, you do when you walk into a church? I, you've talked about like coming in at night, and when, you know when you. Where, where do your eyes go? Um, well, well, I'm looking for the tabernacle, but also the the flame. 
Christmas. Yeah. Year. Right. So the sanctuary candle, that beautiful right. little candle with the red light. And that's what everybody does. Right. And there's something special about going into uh, a church at night and you're kind of by yourself and you're, it's quiet. Maybe there's only a little subtle light up there in the altar area, maybe. But you'll see that little red glowing lamp. Beautiful. The sanctuary lamp. It's called that because it's in the sanctuary. Right. And it's identifying the fact that, that Christ, Christ is, is present, present right. in that tabernacle. And we mm-hmm. see that light and we know Jesus is there. I mean, and, and again, it's like the Motel 6 thing. You know, we'll leave a light on for you. Right. I mean, Christ, he's like, it, it's so n- neat. And when we, if we know that Christ is there, in, it's not that we're there because of the tabernacle, but the tabernacle, we know that Jesus is in there. Well, now suddenly, we have every opportunity and every reason why we should be reverential and respectful, but certainly we can come in there, we can sit. Right. We can pray. We can be present to Jesus and allow Jesus to be present to us. We can, we can visit him. We can just drop in, That's make right. a little altar visit, come in and just look at the tabernacle, yeah. right? Yep. And we can worship. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a powerful thing. And, you know, to realize that Jesus in the tabernacle is waiting for you and is calling that's right. to you. So mm-hmm. being aware of those things, I mean, that's, that's some pretty powerful stuff. So these are some interesting insights about the tabernacle we're going to keep talking about. we got more to talk about about the great, tabernacle great. Uh, when we come back. But before we leave, I want to remind folks at home we've got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. With that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Trzemski. And this is another great moment in church history. Tradition tells us that the parents of Mary, the mother of God, were named Joachim and Anne. Not much is known of the details of their lives, but they have become the focus of great admiration and veneration. This is most assuredly due to the fact that their daughter Mary was the humble virgin chosen by God to bring Jesus into the world and an example for all Christians. One story tells us that after they were married, Saints Joachim and Anne greatly desired to have a family. They tried, however, for many years to conceive. It was thought that Saint Anne was barren. Things looked hopeless. They did not lose their faith, however. They prayed continually to God for the blessing of a child. One night, an angel appeared and said that God had indeed heard them, and they would receive the child for which they so fervently prayed. On that very night, in thankfulness, St. Anne promised to dedicate her child to God. Not long after that, Mary was born. Many have wondered how the Church can honor as saints those whom we know little about. In the case of Saints Joachim and Anne, we need only look at their important role as the parents of Mary, the young girl who would freely offer herself in service to God and all mankind. Regardless of the details of their lives, we know that as parents in a good Jewish family, they would be responsible for Mary's upbringing. They were Mary's teachers. They fed her, nurtured her, encouraged her, and supported her even in the moment of accepting God's call to be the mother of God. It was their dedication to living a holy life that God used to serve as an example for Mary. In fact, what she learned from her parents, she most naturally would use in bringing up the child Jesus. And it was her parents' faith that laid the foundation for Mary's consolation and acceptance of God's will at the foot of her son's cross. 
Saints Joachim and Anne serve as an example for all married couples in bringing up their children to willingly accept the vocations to which they are called in service to God. As early as the 4th century, a church was built by St. Helena, mother of Constantine, on the site where the sainted couple lived in Jerusalem. Saints Joachim and Anne are often depicted in artwork holding Mary and teaching her to read from the sacred scriptures. Their feast day is celebrated by the Universal Church on July 26th. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I am Deacon Jeff, sitting here with Tom Dorian. Yes, sir. Present. And uh, so you. we're talking about tabernacles. And I don't know why we're talking about tabernacles, but I just was talking about the Holy Spirit. Kind of just said, "Hey, Holy Spirit wants you to." You talk need to talk about tabernacles. That's right. And there's some neat things to think about tabernacles when we when we see them. We've oh, we've yeah. talked about a few of them. Certainly, the history of the tabernacle and God's presence, especially all through the Old Testament. Uh, what what. What, how that informs still what the church uses a tabernacle for. Right. And it, and it, and because a lot of people need to realize it's like just a, well, we just need a fancy box, you know, yeah, to no. put Jesus in. Right. It's, it's a, it's a sort of a revealed, divinely revealed history that mm-hmm. we're kind of, kind of keeping in line. I think that's neat to know that when you, when you give a tour or next time you're sitting in a church, that you would look around and go like, that's probably there for a reason. Yeah, that's that's look, there for a reason. That looks important. Yeah, and and maybe even ask. Yeah, and then if your uh, if your pastor or your deacon says, "Oh, let me get back to you. I'm kind of busy," it means they don't know. <laughs> um, but you tell them, "Well, Deacon Jeff knows." I'm kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> do not do that. No, do it. No, but uh, so some of the neat things that we notice about the tabernacle, it's. It's it's certainly its prominence, its beauty, how ornate and and how it's it's a lovely thing to look at, but it's lovely and beautiful and ornate and made of precious metals because of what it is and right. what it does and what it contains specifically, right? The Lord of totally. Lords, the King of Kings. So that's all important, and of course, this idea of it being made out of gold helps us to see the burning bush, mm-hmm. the presence of the Lord there, and to realize that that burning bush is holy ground that we should take our shoes off well we need to care about how we approach the tabernacle and 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 how we respect its presence because of the presence that is contained within it mm-hmm. uh certainly and tread lightly and respectfully uh in and around the sanctuary certainly but to think twice and remind yourself of why we're genuflecting mm-hmm. and bowing every time we move in right. front of it right and then of course this whole idea of Walking into a church at night and seeing the sanctuary lamp as a reminder, a visual reminder that Christ is present. And if Christ is present, we can approach him. That's right. Right. So a tabernacle is not like something while we are reverential and respectful, we can approach. Right. And we're actually beckoned and called. And there's nothing more beautiful than sitting and looking at the tabernacle, um, you know, late at night or whatever, and seeing that little sanctuary lamp burning. We'll leave a light on for you. Mm-hmm. That's some. That's some cool stuff. So we've talked about that. I want to kind of also talk about there's a lot of things theologically that we might not think about and realize, but when you look at the tabernacle, you can also think about Mary. There's there's yeah. a there's a connection 
uh, to marry to to the mother of God. If you ark of the new covenant, that's right. So you you, you see that, and you see like right, we, we we recognize that from the book of Revelation and 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 what the Catholic Church has always taught about Mary. But specifically, we know the tabernacle contains Jesus, and of course, Mary carried Jesus in her womb. That's right, and so. We that's where she is the Ark of the New Covenant, the presence of the Lord. So within her womb mm-hmm. is the Word, the living Word of God, the High Priest uh, uh, of of the Aaronic Priesthood, and and certainly the the, the showbread, the the bread of life. Mm-hmm. Well, that's Jesus in within her inner womb, right? right? So so contained in the tabernacle then is all of those things. Is Jesus. His, right. his fullness, right? His body, blood, soul, and divinity. Well, that means also then we can look at that tabernacle and we can sort of like just sense what it would have been like for Mary to contain Jesus within her. And then also look at the tabernacle and go like, so it's also good that this is like, you know, pure gold on the outside and pure gold on the inside. I don't know if you've ever had an opportunity. A lot of people don't get the opportunity. Ask a priest or a deacon. See the inside. To see the inside. To take yeah. you up there very respectfully, reverentially after Mass or something, open it up. They're usually quite beautiful inside. Oh, yeah. Just It's just reflective gold. It's just beautiful in there. And if you think about that, it's it's sort of like an image of Mary, mm-hmm. pure on the outside, pure on the inside, that she was conceived without original sin, that she didn't sin her entire life. Right. And so, again, the tabernacle can inform us and really teach us about Mary. Mm-hmm. You know? Now... Another thing I want to I kind of talk about here is the tabernacle. It's it's super obviously it's important in Catholic culture, Catholic life. You know, in, in, in ecclesiology, in uh, in liturgy, in worship, all the things that we do as Catholics. It's it's central mm-hmm. because Eucharist is central. That's right. The Mass is central. All these things are central. Now, what you're seeing now, I think, a lot of times, if you think about like, well, look at think about your church, your parish, wherever you are, wherever you're listening, and there's a variety of stuff out there. And you think, where is my tabernacle? Mm-hmm. Um, is it easy to find? Is it identifiable? Is it is it all these things? Well, those are questions to ask. Yeah, to be aware of, right? Um, and some, and but what what I've noticed, I don't. I mean, this is anecdotal. There's no like proclamation from on high, but I, but I'm noticing a lot of bishops. Our bishop is concerned about the position of the tabernacle and is starting some some sort of gentle moves here and there mm-hmm. to maybe return a tabernacle to a place. Of prominence right behind the altar and just below the crucifix, yeah. and it's kind of a neat thing to think centered, about. Centered, if you well, will. Well, centered, right? right? And I think a lot of times some of the bishops are thinking we we need to be centered and focused on on Jesus mm-hmm. and His presence in the Eucharist, especially and how He comes to us. Um, and so you see some of these movements here and there. And I'm, I'm not here to say right or wrong in in those things. And there's lots of opinions out there theologically and certainly. Uh, liturgically and all these things, we can go through all the canon laws and and how they're interpreted and all that stuff. But I guess my point is, it's interesting to see that there are bishops that are concerned and want us to 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 go back into focus. Mm-hmm. Like when you walk into the church, what do you see? Where are you focused? Where what what is it? Ah, Christ is here. Jesus Christ is present here. Mm-hmm. And it's also neat to see that Christ in the tabernacle is positioned in relation to the crucifix and the altar. Mm-hmm. So the, the the one and only sacrifice that reconciles us to the Father, but also in that sacrifice that brings us the bread from heaven, 
right? You look at the crucifix, and it is the tree on which Jesus died, mm-hmm. right? Which answers for the, the tree of life in the Garden of Eden, that if you ate the fruit, it brought death. Well, the tree of death brings life, brings eternal life, and the fruit of that tree is Eucharist. That's profound. And you, and you go like, that's kind of neat. That and you think neat. those things when you're looking, mm-hmm. right? And again, I, I, I'm not challenging you to, to go to your priest or your bishop and say and start pounding on the table say we need our tabernacles in the center i'm just saying appreciate what the tabernacle is Mm -hmm. what it does its function and i'm going to leave you with one really cool thought Mm -hmm. and that cool thought is this it's now this is this is a little philosophical okay but ultimately when you receive christ in the eucharist Mm -hmm. you become a living tabernacle that's true right so and your way you are infinitely more valuable than that golden box. That's true. Right? You're made in the image and likeness of God. You have a, a, the dignity of a human person um, that, is, that is far more valuable than anything that God has ever created. Mm-hmm. In, it's the human person. And that's you. And you become a tabernacle when you actually physically contain Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like you receive him at Eucharist, you become a tabernacle. Mm-hmm. And so it begs us to ask ourselves, how are we treating our tabernacles? How do we treat our body? What do we do with our body? What should we be doing? What should we not be doing? Right? And is my tabernacle, is it, does it need a little cleaning? <laughs> right? Is it tarnished? Is it rusted or dented? Mm-hmm. Right? Is the door broken and it won't open? Yeah. I mean, have we shut ourselves off from that sacrament? Yeah. Right? Have we lost the key great to the question. tabernacle door? Those are great questions. So we need, to, we need to spend some time just think about this tabernacle and the power and the beauty and the gift of the tabernacle in the Catholic faith. And I bet most people haven't sat down and thought about it no. and then realized the extension of that, that when we receive Eucharist, that, that we become a living tabernacle. Mm-hmm. And so when someone comes in as an evan- is evangelized, like so someone wanting to come into RCI and they come into a Catholic church and they see that sanctuary lamp, they feel that peace, and they look up there and they see this big golden box. They see the crucifix, the big golden box. They see the altar. It evangelizes. It, it teaches. I mean, it's the Holy Spirit is at work there, right? It is. Yeah, well, right. so you do that. You do that when you receive the Eucharist. You become a tabernacle. You need to evangelize. evangelize. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a powerful thought. Maybe it's a little intimidating, mm-hmm. but that's what we're called to do and to be. You're right. So ultimately, if, if your tabernacle does need cleaning, go to confession, right? There we go. Yeah, we always it like always to go to confession. So it's a beautiful thing to think about. It's a beautiful thing to realize the gift of the tabernacle, the gift that the Catholic Church gives us and teaches us in all of the various appointments that are in the church, all the things that we see, and certainly all the things that we do lead us closer to God. Amen. Amen. Well, let's, let's talk to that new Ark of the Covenant, or the Ark of the New Perfect. Covenant, right? Perfect. Let's pray for her intercession. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta, Federal Association, and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from the Most Reverend Martin D. Holly, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.